Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, I have some thoughts on somebody who the Lakers apparently were interested in before the season. And I also wrote for Silver Screen and Roll about Anthony Davis at the free throw line and how that might be an indicator that what he's done so far this year might be sustainable. Let's start, though, with one of the more hilarious rumors that we will probably get so far, (laughs) maybe the entirety of this year. Um, But according to Sam Amick of The Athletic, he went on The Real Ones podcast with uh, my boy Logan Murdoch and uh, the, the work that they're doing over there at The Ringer. And he said this, quote, my mind goes to, even if it's unlikely at this point, the star player trade months ago, there was kind of this pie in the sky sense from Lakers of, well, if Oklahoma City completely tanks, let's go get Shea. Like I heard Shea's name coming out of that Lakers camp, but it's just a dream. Don't get too excited. It's not happening. I wrote something about it a couple of weeks ago, and boy, did I hear about it from the Thunder, end quote. So yeah, the Lakers thought that you know, yet another team would start the season badly enough to give them their good pieces for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And, you know, in the shocker of all shockers, that hasn't worked out quite that way. Uh, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander has become one of the, the, the league's most exciting young players. He's only 24 years old. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, just like with the Lakers of... Uh, the Lakers' infatuation with Damian Lillard and Chris Paul and now Shea and Bradley Beal and DeMar DeRozan. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I guess Kyrie Irving uh, can be on there, too. The list can go on and on and on and on and on about all of these stars that the Lakers kind of focus on without really coming to grips with the reality of the situation. And, you know, one of my favorite theories that I kind of believe but kind of or, you know, mostly don't, but kind of sort of believe, is that Rob Polinka, you know, in an effort to maintain his his job, he just keeps giving names to the front office uh, or, or to to Jeannie Buss in the inner circle of, you know, well, well, look, if we just hang on just a little bit longer, maybe just maybe we'll get this guy, and that inner circle has so little experience that they just keep on buying it, and you know, eventually the, those those names leak out to the public, and each name looks more and more and more ridiculous because of how unlikely they all very clearly are. It's just, at some point, at some point, Rob Palenka is going to have to show any interest at all in the peripheries of roster building and on the margins of roster building. And, you know, fortunately... He does get to work with one of the best scouting departments in the NBA, and they have supplied him with some some younger players who have worked out pretty well. But he's so bad on the margins, but <laughs> that he makes it difficult to keep even those guys. So I don't know. I I know that you guys get sick of me ranting and raving about Rob Palenka and about this front office and about the the piss poor job they they continue to do. But when you get rumors like this and when you get leaks like this, it's just it, it, it just continues to go to show how out of touch everybody there is with the reality of the situation. The Lakers just the other night beat 
the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee, they had Chris Middleton back. Sure, he's coming off of injury and he's not quite himself, but they still were fairly healthy. And they have been one of the league's best teams so far this year. Giannis Antetokounmpo is probably the, the league's best player right now. And he's surrounded by a supporting cast that makes perfect sense around him. That's a team that won a championship only a year or so ago. Or just, just a, 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 you know, more than a season ago. And, and the Lakers come that close. And, and not just come that close, but they beat that team and showcase how close they are to title contention if the, the the roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis made even a little bit of sense. And and no, no, we're just going to keep swinging for the fences and any singles that we hit are going to be those dribblers that like stay fair just long enough that the defender gives up and picks up because you're already standing at first base. Like, please, Lakers, for the love of God, care just a little bit about role players. You won a championship with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and a collection of steady role players. You did it. The blueprint's right there. <laughs> it worked out. And and not only did you scrap that blueprint in trading for Russell Westbrook, but in trying to fix the Russell Westbrook mistake, you're not like picking up and trying to flatten out the old blueprint. No, you're laminating the one that got you here in the first place. Ah. Like, uh. Whatever, man. Anyway, let's focus on some stuff that puts us in a good mood, like Anthony Davis's play so far this season, and why I think it's actually sustainable. Anthony Davis has been quite possibly the league's most impactful two-way player this year. He's been just about as efficient offensively as you can hope for as he tries to regain confidence in his jumper, and has somehow anchored a top 10 Lakers defense, a legit miracle given who he's surrounded by. When he enjoys stretches like the one he's currently on, he forces you to simultaneously wonder why this isn't the norm and whether it's fair to hope for that in the first place. But that's the way talent works, and when someone so gifted as Davis is oscillates between greatness and, well, significantly less than that, even his most incredible feats can become a source of frustration. So what has gone into this recent success and how sustainable might it be? For me, it all starts at the free throw line. Getting there in the first place indicates that he's consistently engaged and isn't afraid of how it'll go when he gets there. This year, Davis is shooting 83.2% from the line on 7.8 attempts per game. Both of those are significantly higher than the last couple seasons and are important steps closer to the title run when he shot 84.6% on a whopping 8.5 attempts per game. During this wild 10-game stretch, Davis is attempting 10.2 free throws per game and hitting at a stellar 88% clip. The other thing about free throws is they can showcase a proficiency in shooting all over the floor. Does Davis shooting how he has from the line this year mean he'll all of a sudden become a sniper from deep? Obviously not, but might it mean he's probably quite a bit better than he was last year when he shot a hilariously frigid 18.6% from behind the three-point line? Yeah, probably. And that opens up the game for him, as defenders actually have to contest rather than try to suppress laughter when he rises up from the perimeter. Now, this is where it gets interesting. 
So far this season, Davis has been incredibly discernible in his shot selection. He's taking fewer fadeaways than th- this season than either of the last two. He's shooting fewer threes. Last year, he dunked the ball 111 times, which was way up from the 54 he had the year prior. So far this year, he has 68 with three quarters of the season still to go, a pace fairly consistent with that of 2020 when he dunked the ball 157 times. Even while the numbers would indicate he's improved as a shooter, it's critical he maintains something close to the balance of interior and perimeter shot attempts he's clearly focused on this season. Obviously, there are more factors beyond how often and how well Davis shoots at the free throw line that go into the caliber of season he'll have. But the point of all this is to point out that because of what he's done in the fairly recent past, what he's done so far this season might actually be pretty sustainable. With Davis, we'll always worry about some injury, or perhaps he might slip into some of the bad habits of the last two seasons that made him look like a shell of himself. But the blueprint is there, and so far he's following it. If he can continue that, and if Rob Polinka can actually pull the trigger on a trade that helps him do so, then this Lakers season might have a real chance at turning around. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Uh, fun show yesterday that I did with Matt Moore of the Action Network. Uh, we talked about Anthony Davis' season and what we've liked about it. There's a lot to like, obviously. Um, and, and you know, he gave his thoughts on how some of this is sustainable and re- uh, replicable. I obviously m- continued the thoughts that I just shared a second ago. Um, tonight, there is a game between the Lakers and Cavs. It is on TNT, which means we are going to be having a pressure cooker, so keep an eye out for that, Um, as well as the show that Alex Regla and Alex Padilla put together and the post-game spaces show that Raj will host as well. So until then, and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.